We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. I mentioned uh, recently that I have uh, had been reading through this book by Donald Whitney, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and I thought I would just bring a little bit more of the benefit that I got from it to you. Um, so what I did is I made an outline of the book. It's uh, three or four pages and just uh, kind of got hit the highlights of it, and I just want to touch on some of those. These notes are not on the website yet, so sorry about that. The theme verse of his book is 1 Timothy 4, 7, if you would turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7. Um, it says, But reject profane and old wives' fables, and here's the key, exercise yourself toward godliness, or discipline yourself for godliness. And that is what he's talking about in the book. The first chapter is spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness or being like Christ uh, is, the, is the thing. So he starts out with an example of music practice. And um, you try to get a young person to practice their music. It seems to be pointless to them. Uh, but what he illustrated was if you put in front of the young person, now this obviously isn't always going to work, but you put in front of the young person a vision of what their music could do in their later years. In, in our context, you know, ministry in the church and that sort of thing, not fame and fortune and that, but uh, if you put that out there, then that gives their exercise in music a purpose. It, it uh, directs them. It gives them a goal. So these disciplines that we're talking about here are not just discipline for discipline's sake. You know, you will do your 30 minutes of piano every day because I said so. And don't ask why. <laughs> uh, you know, you will do your spiritual disciplines just because that's your legalistic requirement. And don't ask why. That's not the issue. The, there's a goal here, and that is to be like Christ and to live a successful Christian life. So discipline with direction is good. Discipline without direction is drudgery. Uh, it can just be a drudgery. Spiritual disciplines, uh, Whitney argues, are the means to godliness. They promote spiritual growth. The Lord expects them in our lives. I'll list uh, what they are in just a moment. And uh, there is a great danger in neglecting them danger in neglecting the spiritual disciplines, which he highlights and details. I'm just giving you really the outline of several paragraphs at a time, so you'd have to read the book to get the full benefit out of it. But um, I, I, I did find it helpful, and I wanted to show that I'm kind of trying to exercise myself another step toward godliness as well. Um, there's freedom in embracing the disciplines. Now, that sounds 
kind of ironic or opposite of what you would think. Uh, you know, we think of discipline as hard and difficult, and you know, but the freedoms that come from it, the freedom to be able to live the way God wants you to live, uh, it's a glorious kind of freedom. The freedom that comes, say, for example, in, in disciplining yourself like Paul did, I keep my body under, I subject it so that I don't become disqualified. There's a great freedom in that, and what is that? A, it's a freedom of a guilty conscience, freedom from a guilty conscience. You don't have sin in your life, and uh, that's a very bonding kind of bondage that you don't want to have to deal with, if, if, you can, uh, if you understand what I mean. So he invites us to enjoy these disciplines uh, in, our, in our lives. Now, he gives two chapters, the first two chapters, to probably the first discipline in the spiritual life that you could think of, which would have to do with what? Give me a guess. Now, prayer is not the, f- the first one, but it's in the list. What else? Bible intake. Yeah, he calls it Bible intake because he doesn't want to limit it just to reading. Uh, he gives um, hearing, reading, and studying, among other things that I'll mention. But he gives an example illustration of uh, a church that he visited in Africa where the church people had a very poor standard of Christian living. And he kind of likened it to the Corinthian church. But what he found was that nobody in that church had a Bible. Can you imagine living the Christian life without a Bible? On the paucity of information that you might have received in a simple gospel presentation, you have no gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, no epistles to the churches, no historical information. You have sketchy stuff that you've gotten by means of the telephone game and it's not necessarily correct, ouch. That's why the church was like that. So that's why it's so important for us to get the word to as many as we can. So first of all, hearing God's word. In the early church, they couldn't read it. Many of, them, many of people were illiterate, and so they would gather to hear the word from the apostles, for instance, in the book of Acts. Pretty good source, I would say, uh, close to the source, in fact, the source when it comes to New Testament uh, writing. Uh, So hearing God's word, and we can do that today and should do that today. You know, people say, why do I have to come to church so much? Well, let me ask you this. Are you really spending all the time in Scripture that you should be at home? If you were, then you wouldn't ask the question, why should I be in church so much? (laughs) Uh, But if you're not then that's all the more reason for you to be in church because then at least the times that you're there, you hear God's word. Secondly, he says reading God's word. That's the one we probably thought of because we have the blessing of literacy. We have the blessing of a codex format of the Bible bound on one spine, able to be easily opened. We don't have to roll the scroll you know, to Isaiah 53 and, and then unroll it and all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, to read our Bible. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sword drills with scrolls? <laughs> uh, we have such a... And it, it's even better than that because you can look it up on your phone, you know? Now, some of us take a little while to tap those buttons on the phone. I know there are some who can look it up in a paper Bible faster than you can get to it on your phone. 
but you can uh, hear God's word and you can read God's word. And the, you know, but because of the commonplace nature of it, we just don't grasp the blessing of being able to do that. You know, it's a superior blessing to have God's word in our hand to be able to read it. Uh, then studying, that's number three, studying God's Word. I'll, I'll make these notes available so you don't have to write all these down, but uh, you know, if one catches your attention, one of these spiritual disciplines, you want to grab a hold of it because one of the application points of this message and of the book, actually in every chapter, is application, but from my perspective for you, I want you to take one more step in your spiritual disciplines. What is that? More consistency in reading God's Word, more participation in corporate prayer, for example, more memorizing of God's Word, and so on. But anyway, we're at studying, hearing, reading, studying God's Word. And that's uh, just slowing down, taking notes maybe, having a piece of paper and a pen with you and, and uh, writing some things down or really digging into it um, and thinking about what you're reading. He asks, if your growth in godliness were measured by the quality of your Bible intake... What would be the final grade? What would be the grade if it were measured by the quality of your Bible intake? Uh, it would vary from year, from week to week, I'm sure, if we graded ourselves every week. But, you know, in your mind, grade yourself for your participation in reading, uh, hearing, reading, and studying God's Word this week. Um, what is one thing you can do then? One thing to improve your intake of God's Word. Just be thinking one thing that you can do. Maybe it's uh, a very simple thing, but it's something you can do. Take time, turn off, the, turn off the tube for a few minutes and spend a little more time with God's Word. It will do your soul a lot of good. Now, he has a, because there's so many, so many items here, he has a second chapter devoted to Bible intake. And uh, let me see, two... Three other things, three other items. So we have hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, memorizing. Uh, Memorizing God's word has benefits. It supplies spiritual power, strengthens your faith. When you memorize God's word, you can use it in witnessing, right? And how about counseling situations? And counseling situations don't happen by appointment only. That is, somebody calls you on the telephone and asks for, what do you think about this? And you can say, well, God's word says, and that seems to apply this way to me, to your situation. You should or shouldn't do that, or here's what you should do, or whatever. Um, The Bible says you're competent to admonish and counsel one another if you know the word. So you don't have to say, well, let let me have you call pastor and ask him. You shouldn't need to do that all the time, most of the time, uh, at all. I'm happy to be a resource, but God's Word is really a resource for this stuff. So um, the the, the, the Scriptures, memorizing Scripture provides a means of guidance, and it supplies uh, material for you to meditate on. You You can't always be carrying your Bible around looking at it while you're doing your I never see anybody driving their car while they're reading their Bible. They're always looking at their phone, but they're never, well, maybe they're reading their Bible on their phone. Could be, right? Let's be optimistic and say that's the case. 
Well, yeah, we should do that, you know. Like, well, look at that lady reading her Bible on her phone as she dressed. <laughs> no. <laughs> Something about that doesn't seem to be fitting, does it? Shouldn't be illegally reading your Bible. Oh boy, that's illegal. It's illegal to read your Bible. <laughs> No, CN's got it. Hear, hear the Bible on the CD in your car. Or, or MP3 via Bluetooth today, if you know what that all means. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we're more attached to our phones than we are to our Bible. You know, I wonder if you have you on your phone where it says you used your phone X minutes more or less this week than last week. Do you have that on yours? Mine somehow is that's on there. And uh, I like the weeks when it says you used it less. But I wonder, I wonder if there was a little page in the front of your Bible that said you used your Bible X minutes more or less than last week. What would it say for you? You do have that. It's internal. The internal clock. Leave it to Thurman, right, Betty? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, knowing God's word, spending time with it. Uh, Methods to memorizing. Uh, First of all, he suggests that you have a plan, have some kind of plan. I want to memorize a verse this week. That's a simple plan. Uh, Maybe you could have a longer-term plan, but you could start with a simple one. Write out your verse or verses. Uh, Draw reminders of them. Um, Memorize them word perfectly. Get accountability. Pick, you know, pick a translation that's good to memorize in, um, so you can do that. Get accountability, and review and meditate every day that you can. So that's a way to to memorize. I've I, I think I haven't focused lately on memorizing verses, and that's a shortcoming. I think I'll admit, but. I have had this because of repeated going over and preaching through and things. I have the gist of many verses, but uh, word perfect, that's a tough thing. You know, it gets tougher as you get older. Yes. Ah, yes. There are other, the other people in the room are, are hearing it, so that's good. Yeah, out loud. And that's a principle of learning. If you can see it, hear it, say it, write it, different channels. And each of us have different you know, ways that work better for us perhaps than others. So those are some methods. Meditating on God's Word is number five. So hear, read, study, memorize, and then meditate. You maybe have heard that, you know, five things, and you have them on tags on your finger uh, of, of what you should do with God's Word. Meditation is the mind-filling kind of meditation, okay? Not, not the mind-emptying kind. You know what I'm talking about. Eastern mystical meditation is the mind-emptying kind. We're talking about the mind-filling kind of uh, meditation on God's Word. So the benefits of that, um, Joshua 1.8. Let's see. I flipped right past it here. Joshua 1.8. Somebody was trying to beat me with their phone probably. Uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Of course, as God measures success, there's really a promise there for Joshua. Uh, Psalm 1, 1 to 3, the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And what? And in his law, he does meditate day and night. Meditates day and night on it. So uh, when you have the sleepless moments at the early part of the night or all throughout the night, (laughs) be meditating on God's word. Be praying. Be using that time. Take it as an opportunity, not not as a trial so much. It might be a little bit of a trial. You might be tired. Uh, Psalm 119. That's another one. It's Psalm 119, 98. And it says, You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. That's the commandments. Not the enemies, hopefully. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. That is so true that young people who know God's word can be wiser than their gray-haired professors who reject God's word. So we can gain wisdom from the word of God for memorizing it. We can um, have a promise of success from doing that. Uh, So memorizing and meditating. Meditating is hard to do because you have to take time to do it. You know, you have to have time where you just, I'll say, sit, stand, lay down, whatever, uh, where you're actually thinking about God's Word. And that relates to another one of the disciplines that uh, we'll come to later, that is silence and solitude. But the last of his Bible intake Uh, suggestions or disciplines really is applying God's word applying so this I guess would be number six on our list of Bible intake besides you know the the, uh, hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating applying applying God's word James chapter 1 tells us about this doesn't it if you are a hearer of the word and not a an applier (laughs) not a doer, then you're just a foolish person. You hear it, but you don't do anything about it. It's like you're looking in a mirror and doing nothing with what you see in that mirror. So we uh, should expect when we come to God's Word to find applications. Sometimes that's harder than others. Uh, This morning I uh, puzzled over what's the final title I want to put on my message for uh, for the worship service. And I came up with something, but it wasn't like you know, I was like, I didn't feel like I hit a home run on it or anything, you know, or really, yeah, perfect, you know. But there, there are applications there in the text, one, one very specific one and then one or two other general ones. But uh, applying God's Word, we should be able to come to the text and discover applications. First, we have to understand the text. You can't jump to application before you spend time reading and studying and thinking about a text because you might come up with a, well, a nice application, but it won't be from that text. Okay, you with me? Yeah. What this means to me is, well, maybe it doesn't mean that to anybody, because that's not what it means at all. So be careful. So understand the text. Think about it to discern applications and and ask questions of the text. Does the text reveal 
something I should believe about God, something I should thank God for, something I should praise Him for, something I should trust Him about? Does it show me something I should pray for myself or others about? Uh, Does the uh, text of Scripture change my attitude about something? Does it cause me to make a decision, something that I should do for others, for Christ or for myself? And then I should answer those or respond rather specifically to those thoughts. So application then in all this is not, not, you know, the first application is really what's one step you're going to do to increase your Bible intake? Here, what's your plan to memorize, meditate, and apply God's Word? Okay, Maybe you take some time on Sunday afternoon and think about the message with the notes that are provided and say, now what was Pastor saying should be an application from this? Let me hunt around here, sometimes in the introduction, sometimes in the middle, and sometimes in the conclusion section of my notes. I'll have something there um, often sprinkled throughout. There's actually, when you, when you study homiletics, which is the uh, practice uh, art of preaching, um, you, know, you, you can think about having kind of a front-loaded application or a back-loaded application, if you understand what I mean, or you can have interspersed application. I've typically done that method of interspersed application when we come to a portion of the text that deals with that issue. So that's Bible intake, the first of his disciplines. The second of his disciplines, but the fourth in chapter order because he had an introductory chapter and then two chapters on Bible intake. The fourth chapter, second discipline is prayer. Prayer. Glad I didn't put my notes on the website because I found two typos already. (laughs) Prayer, the Bible tells us, is expected. Uh, It's it's actually kind of assumed slash expected. You ever remember the phrase "when you pray"? When you pray, pray in this manner. Let's see. Let's look that up. Matthew, is it Matthew chapter 6 I'm thinking about? Yeah. Uh, Let's read it. Let's read it incorrectly. And if you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. But don't worry if you don't pray. No. It says, and when you pray. The assumption is that you're going to pray. I mean, it's almost like you go back to Genesis and you find the people of God communicating with God. It's so unreasonable to think that somebody is going to have a relationship with God without communicating with Him. Okay. And if you talk to your spouse, be nice. But if you don't talk to don't worry about it. Okay. No, when you talk to your spouse, you have a relationship. So from the beginning, it's been assumed God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day and had fellowship with them. He didn't have to tell them, like, you must pray. You must communicate with me. No, it was, it was as natural as just talking to your, your friend at, the, at work at the water cooler or, or at the social function or whatever. You just communicate when you pray. And then, of course, we need instruction about how to pray so we don't get, you know, kind of off base and 
self-centered and all of that sort of thing. Luke 11, verse number 9. I've typed it correctly here, Luke 11. Yeah, not only is it, is it assumed by the word when, but look in Luke eleven nine. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. That's a, a repeat of maybe one that you know better uh, from Matthew chapter 7. Uh, in verse 7, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It's pretty hard to get around this. I mean, these are commands, aren't they? Imperatival forms. So it's assumed and it's commanded, prayer is. And then Luke 18, one of our favorites. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to lose heart, the New King James has. That's Luke 18, 1. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Well, if anybody needs, shouldn't need any further, but just in case, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 commands us, pray without ceasing. Pray always. Or Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being Diligent, or sorry, vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Well, that uh, pretty much buttons up the case. Need I say more? I rest my case. <laughs> uh, but I'll say a couple more things about prayer. Um, prayer is learned. I didn't know how to pray when I was a kid. How do you learn how to pray? You hear others pray. You, you participate with them in prayer meetings. You uh, learn prayer by meditating on Scripture, by reading Bible prayers, by praying with others, and by reading about prayer like, you know, E.M. Bounds or something, great missionary accounts of, of prayer. You're also helped to pray when you realize that God answers prayer. Oh, you who hear prayer, Psalm 65, 2, to you all flesh will come. Oh, you who hear prayer. Hearing often doesn't just mean that God hears the sounds of your voice, but that he does something about it. Prayer is answered. Uh, Illustration, we uh, were told uh, Monday by one of our uh, contractors that your carpet has not arrived yet. It was supposed to be here over a week ago. And I said, well, that means I have to scramble around and see what's going on here. And so I only finally got, I finally got the final explanation on Friday as to what happened. But by then, I had rattled their chain enough that they had put it on a different truck from Georgia and got it up here uh, in Michigan by Thursday and to the final destination on Friday morning. <clears throat> they said they had never gotten a delivery that early, by the way, which I thought was uh, on a Friday, which was... Interesting. God answered our prayer. We asked God, God, I can't stress out about this, but I'm almost stressing out about it. (laughs) Uh, We need to have that so that Jansen and Kaylee are not inconvenienced by uh, all of this. And um, so 
God answered our prayer. That's just, in a way, it's a little thing. It was a bigger thing, but, it, you know, in terms of kind of, you know, mundane stuff, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world if he had answered it differently. But it was nice that he uh, granted our plea and uh, brought things in a, in a nice time. So application here, and then we're going to have to close. Since prayer is expected and assumed, will you pray? Will you learn to pray? Will you consistently, persistently pray? And will you be able to say, God has answered my prayers? God has answered uh, my prayers. Now, when you learn to pray, by the way, you learn, you learn how to pray about things like when somebody's terminally ill, you have a sense that it's not God's will for them to carry on in this life. And so you don't get your hopes up and cr- dreams crushed by God not answering your prayer to heal them in this life. He healed them, all right, by taking them to heaven. And that is a much better healing than you could have imagined here. I mean, what were you asking for here? The removal of the cancer and you know, the uh, living on with the amputation that had to happen or, you know, the limitations or the immune system compromised or whatever with all kinds of other risks attached to it in old age and not able to enjoy one's existence. So you learn how to pray so that you pray in accord with God's will, not against God's will. God's will, the Bible says, that people are appointed once to die and then the judgment. So that's one example of how when you learn to pray, then you, you understand God's answering prayers better. So, that's prayer. Next time, the spiritual discipline of worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. We'll see about those. The book is called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And I, I liked it well enough that I, uh, and I've, I heard somebody else speaking about the same author, but a different book. It was about spiritual, spiritual formation in the family or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but I went out and grabbed that, a copy of that on Kindle. Whitney, W-H-I-T, Whitney, N-E-Y, Whitney. Uh, like I said, my, my way of reading it was just to read two, three, four pages every morning when I was doing my Bible reading as well. So I'd have this, and I'd look at my Greek, and I'd do this. Just That was my little, my little program for the morning um, for a little while. But, uh, so I'll have to, you know, I'm finished with that one. I'll get, another, get the other book and get that going now. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the uh, privilege this morning to look at a sir, uh, the material of another servant of thine, which has been helpful to me and to us, certainly uh, ranges through the scriptures and reminds us of some of the basics, but I suspect since I know they're difficult for me to keep up with, they will be difficult for others as well, so it's good for us to pause and remember. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, be good examples to our children and that they will begin to develop these same sorts of disciplines in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.